John chapter 1. We're going to go to the Gospel of John and chapter number 1. The Gospel of John and chapter 1. John chapter 1. Look way down in the chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse number 29. John chapter 1 and verse number 29. The Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, and he is before, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And again the next day, after John stood, and uh, after John stood, and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt. And abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to visit some of these verses as we go through the message tonight. Uh, we're still in our series, The Scarlet Thread. And I titled the message for tonight, There Rose a Lamb in Jerusalem. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we come to you one last time before we get on into the message and just ask for your power and unction and guidance of the Holy Ghost and help, Lord. We need your help tonight. I'm thankful for the good crowd that's out on this Wednesday night. I know many of these folks worked hard all day long. Lord, uh, it could be that they're hungry and tired. I pray, Lord, that you would rejuvenate us with your word, that uh, we would be, uh, that we would be uh, attentive to what you have for us, and you would challenge us by the preaching of the Word of God tonight. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd use me tonight as a, as a vessel uh, to Lord, uh, Lord to deliver this message the way that you would have it done. Uh, guide and direct us, we pray, please, and we'll thank you for it. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, for the reading of the Word of God, and please do be seated. On two different occasions, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. He was identifying Jesus with a symbol that's prevalent in the Word of God, the sacrificial lamb. When a lamb appears in the Bible, most of the time it's identified with sacrifice, and especially a sacrifice for sins. The first time the word lamb appears in the Bible is over in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Father and son are walking towards, uh, together towards Mount Moriah. 
And Isaac speaks to Abraham and says, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt sacrifice, uh, burnt offering? And Abraham answered him, maybe with some hope in his own heart, uh, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You know, where is the lamb is a question that was asked by people of faith uh, over the generations as they looked for the coming of the promised Redeemer. And, And like Abraham, they were trusting that God would one day provide himself a lamb for the salvation of sinners. And when Isaac asked his father that question that time, the Lamb of God, we know, of course, Jesus was in heaven, and only God the Father knew his identity at that point. And then 2,000 years later, as he came down the path, John John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, uh, now a man that others could identify as one of them, and said, there, there is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, every every phrase, excuse me, of John's pronouncement tells us something important about Jesus Christ, about the Lamb of God. And in this message, I'm going to try to clarify the significance of this amazing title of Jesus and see the practical and the essential ways that we should respond to the Lamb of God sent to take away our sins. We know that Jesus is the Lamb that, that, uh, who came to save us. He came to save us. I love Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 21, where the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Man, every time I read that, what a verse. What a wonderful verse. And we know that John the Baptist was chosen by God to identify Jesus as the Lamb of God. Let me read you a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 1. Verse 15 says this, For he shall be great, John the Baptist, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So we know that John the Baptist was a son of a priest. And because he was a son of, the, uh, son of a priest, he had been taught all of his life the importance of the sacrificial lamb that was a very huge part of Israel's heritage. You know, twice a day back during that time, first at the tabernacle uh, and then later after the temple was built at the temple, a lamb was offered to atone for the sins of the people. And every year when the Jews uh, observed the Passover, uh, a lamb was killed for every household to celebrate God's redemption of his people out of Egypt. And every day, individual Jews would bring a lamb to be sacrificed as an atonement for their own sin to maintain a good personal relationship with God. Pardon me. John announced that Jesus was the lamb of prophecy who would solve the problem of sin. And we're very glad of that. Excuse me. We really don't know how much that uh, John the Baptist understood about the future and the coming of the cross. We're, we're not, we, we, can't be, we can't be assured how much he knew about that. But there is no doubt that John knew who Jesus was and what he came to do. And it said there where we read that God had revealed that to him. You know, God, uh, John had been telling people that Christ was coming. Verse number 30 in our text there 
uh, uh, back up here. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred uh, before me, for he was before me. So he'd been telling people. John had been preparing people to follow Jesus when he came. He'd been baptizing people with water. John the Baptist had. You know, being baptized by John demonstrated a recognition of someone's sin, a desire for spiritual cleansing, a commitment to follow God's law, an anticipation of when the Messiah would come. And we know that today baptism uh, pictures the death and the burial burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, The gospel truths that forms the basis of our faith. When you're baptized, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. Your old life is being buried and you're being raised to walk in a newness of life. You're identifying with Him. And we know this, baptism always follows salvation always follows salvation. You can't find it any other way in the Bible. People believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then they are baptized. The title, the Lamb of God, conveys really important truths about Jesus because it identifies with his, his divine origin. He is the Lamb of God. Of God. Uh, The lambs that were sacrificed back in the Old Testament were provided by the worshiper. The worshiper would bring the lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. Sinners were required to offer a lamb to atone for their sins. But only God could provide a lamb that would take away the sins of the whole world. He is the lamb of God. And it pointed to the necessity of his death. He is the lamb. Of God, I, I remember when I first got saved, and they would talk about the Lamb of God, and I had no idea what in the world, what's this Lamb thing, what in the world, what's going on. Uh, but He was the Lamb, is the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Men had been bringing lambs to God for generations, but in the person of Christ, the Lamb had to, uh, had to come to man. And every Lamb had supported the principle of a blood atonement. Uh, You think about the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then you think about at the temple, the blood of lambs that was sacrificed was applied to the altar on which the sacrifice would be burned. And then we think about the biblical principle, of course, without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. We know that. Hebrews chapter 9, 22, the last part of that verse says, and without shedding of blood, there's no remission. So from the moment that Jesus was identified as the Lamb of God, men should have had some idea that he was going to have to shed his blood in payment for sin, just because of the things that they had learned. And it really uh, magnifies his mission to take away sin. Because, I mean, getting back to our theme, sin is what destroyed the oneness enjoyed between man and God at creation. Sin had to be dealt with, or there could never, there could never be, come on brain, there could never again be that at one minute with God, uh, where God and man were restored. And Jesus could only restore oneness with man and God by taking away the sin that had come between them, and he did that by the shedding of his own blood. Um, And it proclaims the extent, really, of his sacrifice, because it would take away the sin of the world. I I can't even begin to, really, I, I don't even know how much you should dwell on the sin of the world. 
I'm not even sure I could keep track of all the sin of Bill Marshall. Much less the sin of the world. How deep is that? How extensive is that? How filthy is that? I mean, he came to take away the sin of the world. That's quite a sacrifice. Amazing. Um, That it was offered for the world means that everyone needs the saving work of Jesus. Everyone needs that. And that it was offered for all the world means that his sacrifice can save anyone or, and everyone. And that it was offered for all the world means that only the sacrifice of Jesus can save. None, none other. No, 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 no. None other. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only one that can save us from our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I'm saying that salvation cannot be found in Mary or Buddha or Muhammad or any other person. It can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. And that John the Baptist stood up and pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's one thing. That he knew that it was that way. But God authenticated John's announcement. God did after that was all done. Oh, look at verse 32 there again. It says, In uh, John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he that baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw... And bear record that this is the Son of God. So John had been told the identity of the Messiah would be shown to him by the descending of the Holy Spirit upon Christ at his baptism. The Lord had revealed that to him, had told that to him. And John's assurance that Jesus was both God's Son and God's Lamb came from seeing the Spirit descend upon Jesus just as God had told him would happen. And those of us that know Jesus as the Lamb of God, we should follow Him. I mean, seriously, follow Him. Verse number 35 there says, And again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him, speak, say that, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So we know this for sure. John the Baptist had made disciples. He made disciples. I mean, no, come on, it says it right there very clearly. Next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples. So John had made some disciples. I mean, declaring the coming of the Messiah and uh, declaring repentance. I like John the Baptist's message of repentance uh, to those. So he had made disciples. 
Now, we understand this. By definition, a disciple is a student and a follower. A student and a follower. So a real disciple, a real disciple expects to be taught. A real disciple expects to learn truth that is going to shape how he thinks and equip him to do the will of God. Come on, a disciple of Christ. They're expecting to learn and equip, be equipped to do the will of God. That's what we want, right? After we're saved by the grace of God. I mean, the will of God is that we would be saved. So once we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, I mean, shouldn't we continue on wanting the will of God? Oh, absolutely so. Yeah. A disciple intends also to replicate. What do you mean, preacher? To publicly identify with and continue the mission and purpose of the one that's teaching him. John had men following him, men who had followed him, learning from him, and emulating his example. He prepared his disciples to be followers of Jesus. Jesus came walking by, and John and his disciples are standing there, and he points at Jesus once again. Behold the Lamb of God. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his two disciples. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I am very thankful that God called me to preach the Word of God. I'm so very thankful that God's called me to do what I, what I, what I do. I'm very thankful. But my main... Uh, Responsibility is to point people to Jesus and get them to be a follower of Him. And that's what I want more than anything else. John made sure that his disciples knew the importance of Jesus in their lives. He is the Lamb of God. And with encouragement from him, these men stopped following John and became disciples of Jesus. I mean, I can't even picture, certainly it's not in there, but I can't even even picture that when those two guys took off to follow Jesus, John was going, hey, wait, come back, wait a minute. No, 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 no. He had prepared these men for this, to be followers of Jesus. I really believe that there's way too many people that think the gospel, they think of the gospel only in terms of having their sins taken away and receiving the hope of eternity in heaven. No, that's the way they see, that's the way they think of the gospel. I get saved, so I go to heaven one of these days. Well, that's a great perk. (laughs) Come on, it's a great perk that one of these days we get to graduate and go to heaven. Amen. Absolutely so. Uh, But this portion of Scripture is showing us that knowing Jesus as our personal Savior should also influence our daily lives. We are to become disciples once we're saved by the grace of God. No, no, no. Once we realize that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of mankind... We are 
supposed to become disciples. Followers of Jesus Christ. There's more to it than just being saved by God's grace. I'm thankful I'm saved by God's grace. I'm thankful my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that washes away all sin. But there's more to it than just going to heaven one of these days. There's more to it. Every Christian, every Christian is expected by God to be a follower of Christ. Now I'm going to say it again. Every born again believer is expected by God to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every born again believer. Everyone. Everyone. Well, you know, but it's different. No, it's not different for you at all. You were purchased with the same blood that the other believers were purchased with. God expects us to be a follower of Christ, obeying His commands and emulating the example that He has given us, being conformed into His image. God expects it. I have no fear of saying that. I'd say it a hundred times if I thought I had to to get it through. God expects us to be followers of Jesus Christ. He is the one that sent His only begotten Son to die for you. To take away your sin. It is not wrong that God expects us to be followers of Jesus Christ. It's not wrong at all. Nothing wrong about it. Uh, well, can you tell me when we're supposed to, you know, start doing that? Is there a certain starting point where we... Oh, yeah, I, I can tell you. As soon as you get saved. That's when you're supposed to start. You get saved, and you should become a disciple, a follower, a learner, ready to be conformed into the image of God's Son because of the price that was paid for you. So, think about this. Those that know Jesus as the Lamb of God should bring others to Him. John the Baptist was a witness of Jesus. Verse 34, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. To bear record means to testify, to give testimony, or to witness what it means. John publicly went out on record that he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. No, it's really something. The first followers of Jesus all became witnesses for Christ. And the final emphasis of this portion of Scripture is on those who believe that Jesus was the Lamb of God, introducing Him to others. John the Baptist had a couple of disciples. 
And when Jesus came by, he said, there's the Lamb of God. No, he's pointing people to Jesus. The, the primary responsibility of every Christian is to bring others to Jesus. Well, preacher, what all you have to learn to do that? Um, you just need to be saved. Well, I feel like I need to take about a five-year course. No, 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 let me stop right there. We, we've got it. We've, we've been commissioned. We just, you just have to be saved, and then you are to bring people to Jesus. Okay, let me read you a few scriptures then. In Matthew 28, verses, verse 8 says this, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, once they saw that Jesus was raised, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Uh, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Oh no, he said, Hey, go get them and bring them to me. Okay, Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, who's the ye? You. It's you and me and you and you and you and you and you and you. I don't have to go through the whole thing, do I? And you and you and you and you and you and you and you. You're saved by the grace of God. You should be trying to bring people to Jesus. Luke 24, 45 says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and, uh, and, that re repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Uh, if you are truly saved by the grace of God, look at, stay with me here. If you're truly saved by the grace of God, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is the begotten son of God. Now I said, if you're truly saved by the grace of God, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead after he was crucified, and that he is the risen savior. You believe that. So you're witnesses of that. Because you have been saved. So pretty much all you need to know is that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And we do our best to bring people to Him because He is the one that saves. He's the one that saves. John twenty twenty one. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me. Even so send I you. <clears throat> We've been commissioned. Not by who? By Jesus himself. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria. And to the uttermost part of the earth. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
If you're sitting in here tonight, you're saved by the grace of God. You have the Holy Ghost. He lives in you. You already have him. While I'm just waiting on, why well, stop? You, you already have him. And Jesus said, then ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Some sitting in here have been to Jerusalem. Some have probably been to Judea. Some maybe even Samaria. Some Most would say, well, I'm not, I can't go to those places. I've never been to those places. I know, but you've been to the uttermost part of the earth. I mean, you do live in Missouri. Okay. <laughs> Some of you people from Missouri didn't think that was funny. But anyway. We're to be witnesses. First Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. We've been put in trust of the gospel. Put in trust. No, do you understand? God is trusting you to tell other people about Jesus. He saved your soul. He gave you the Holy Spirit of God. And He's trusting you and me to tell other people about Jesus. He's trusting us. Well, how come? Because we're ambassadors. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. And so we're praying, hey, we just want you to be reconciled to God. You religious nuts, you just try to shove stuff down our throat. We're not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. We just want them to be reconciled to God. When I was down preaching family camp, I was talking to Brother Mallard. He was there. He and his family were there. And he was talking about his brother. His brother was a rough old truck driver. I mean, he's one of those guys. That he, he, he just, he'd, just, he'd, he'd just start a fight with two or three guys at one time just so he could have some fun. I mean, he's just a rough, rough, rough guy. Brother Mallard got saved and began to witness to his brother, try to bring his brother to Jesus. And he witnessed to him several times, and they were riding somewhere. And, and he, was, uh, he was talking to his brother about the Lord again, and, and his brother came at him, and I, you just, boy, I'm just trying to shove this stuff on my, you know, I can't believe, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe you do this, I, I can't believe that, that you do this. And he, Brother Mallard just told him, he said, hey, I, I just don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to trust Christ. He said, why are you always trying to tell us? He said, because, because, I, I, because. He said, why don't you go to church all the time? I mean, all the time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, a special meeting. You, you just think church is more important than, even, than anything else. Why do you do that? Brother Mallard said, well, because I love the Lord. He said, I, he said I, love, I love the Lord more than I love my wife. 
And it just blew his brother away. He said, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. And so his brother, and I can't remember exactly who his brother was talking to at a different time, later on a different time, to another Christian. And he looked at this guy and he said, hey, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. He said, do you love God more than you love your wife? And the guy said, yeah. And God used that testimony to finally bring him to the point that he trusted Christ as his Savior. Brother Mallard said he'd probably make a good Baptist bouncer. We just want people to know Jesus. I don't want people to go to hell. We're around family and friends and co-workers and we know they don't know Christ and we're just tight-lipped as we can be. Why? Are we ashamed of the one that died for us? Are we ashamed of the one that saved our soul? We know that we're saved, but we're scared that He won't save somebody else. Really, one sign that you're maturing as a Christian is when you begin to give the gospel to others and introduce them to Jesus Christ, the one that can take away their sin. No, I'm going to say that one more time. I'm right at done, but I'm going to say that one more time. One sign that we are really maturing as a Christian, maturing as a Christian. Well, I've been saved a long time. Hallelujah, but how mature are you as a Christian? I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just asking questions. Because really one of the signs that we're really maturing as a Christian, we're maturing as a Christian is when we begin to give the gospel to others and introduce them to Christ. The one that can save their soul. The one that can forgive their sin. You know, a wonderful thought about our salvation is that God has done everything needed to remove the sin that stands between Him and us. God's already done that. Send His Son. That we might have a relationship with Him again. What a wonderful thought. I mean, just wonderful. God sent His only begotten Son to save the world. To save us from our sins. When we believe the gospel and we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're made one with God again. So thankful. And as wonderful as that is, it's not all that Jesus came to do. It's not all He came to do. God not only desires to forgive us, thank the Lord, but He also wants to reclaim our lives from sin and then use us to bring Him glory. He wants to use us. I don't get that. <laughs> but He wants to use us. To bring Him glory. We've been reconciled to God. And God has entrusted us with the privilege and the responsibility of bringing others to Him. We've been given a mission. We're on a mission. 
And like John the Baptist and Andrew seeking after his brother and like numerous others before us, God wants us to reach the lost with the good news that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to save us from our sins. There rose a lamb in Jerusalem. Shouldn't we be telling people about him? Why not even come and pray this evening, committing yourself to personally reach others for Jesus Christ? Well, preacher, I don't think I could ever do that. Hold it. Let let me. No, no, no. We'll write it done. But let me ask you a question then. Is it the will of God for everyone to be saved? Oh, yeah, absolutely so. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the will of God. That's what God would definitely like love to see. Is it the will of God, according to the Bible, that we are to be telling people about Jesus after we get saved? Well, come on, we just talked about it for half an hour. Absolutely, the will of God that we are bringing people to Jesus, that we're pointing people to the Savior. Absolutely, the will of God. So let me ask you this. Do you think if you prayed and you asked God for the wherewithal, the boldness, the opportunities, the words to say, to tell people about Jesus and point people to Jesus, do you think since it's God's will for people to be saved and for us to tell people about Him, Do you think God could possibly give you what you need to make that happen? If you sincerely asked Him for it? There's either a God in heaven or there's not. This book is either true or it's not. And he tells us that if we will pray in his will, that he will do what we ask. If we will pray in his will, his word says, that we, he will do what we ask. Could we all be better at pointing people to Jesus? All we need to do is ask. Our Heavenly Father is waiting to equip us to go out on that mission He left us here for. Absolutely so. Let's all stand. Stand with me, would you? Heavenly Father, we're very thankful for the Bible and for the encouragement that it gives us to be more like Your precious Son. I'm thankful for the precious blood of Christ that was shed all those years ago on the cross of Calvary. That blood that cleanses us from sin. I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved my soul all those years ago. 
and that you have given opportunity to tell others about your precious son. Riverside Baptist Church needs to be doing that. We all need to be doing that. And I pray, Lord, as the challenge has gone out, that people would just respond. The need is great. The need is great. Help us to be the witnesses we should be. Help us to be pointing people to Jesus. I pray you bless invitation time. Work as only you can. We're asking you to do so in the precious name of Jesus Christ.